Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. As you heard, this, the title of my message today is actually Sunday in the Bible. was actually you know, inspired a long time ago by Pastor George Ramakan when he gave a, gave a Bible study in Toronto in 2010 about the first day of the week in the Bible. And he just scratched the surface, and he inspired me so much about this message that I went deeper and deeper into it. And I was amazed what I could find in the Bible about this Sunday. And, you know, we, we were supposed to have today a Bible study. Always the fourth Sabbath of the month we have a Bible study. But because we thought that so many people will be traveling today on this day, we canceled the Bible study, but the topic still left. And the topic for this month was actually Saturday and Sunday. So that's what we're going to cover today. So what do you think? How many times do you see in the Bible the word Sundays? How many times do you see it in the Bible? Any idea? Scott? Zero. Perfect. So how come the people will translate the Bible and says the first day of the week, the first of the week means a Sunday? How is that possible? And actually Sunday is not mentioned, not even once. Not even once in the Bible. Just before we got, get deep into this topic, right, I'm just going to let you know that we're not going to cover the historical aspect of this massive change that took a long time ago. We're not going to be go even there. And I know that many Bordentown brethren were exposed to some of the historical teachings where we talk about the Constantine and Nicaea and all this stuff of everything was changed including like Trinity, Easter, and Passover, and also including Saturday and Sunday. The only thing we're going to cover today is just New Testament scriptures would deal with the first day of the week, so we would think. All right, so there are basically, just to simplify the discussion, there are just basically three groups. At least that's how I see them, in three groups. The first one, I'll call them, there are the Catholic Church and anybody who adhered their faith, the Catholics. And they were the ones who actually made the change a long time ago. And, you know, we have to give them a credit because they don't lie about it. They admit it, and they even, they didn't even try to chastise the Protestant sister for, you know, not accepting the Sabbath in the Bible, because they admitted it. They said, we changed it, and as a church, we had the authority to change it, and we did it. And most Catholics today, they're not interested in, in this book. Not many of them read it. So it's very difficult to talk to people like that when they don't know the Bibles. So for, obviously for us, it's very difficult to convert any people coming from a Catholic faith or Orthodox faith, because they are very deep into their traditions, and they actually don't care what the Bible says. They, just, they will just tell you that, you know, I know that my parents used to celebrate Christmas, my grandparents used to celebrate Christmas, my grand-grandparents used to do this thing, so who I am to change it. And this book doesn't give them any authority whatsoever or any level of discussion. The second group is the most, most complex group. All the Protestant movement, and I would say especially the evangelical movement, which try to preach and say that, Sola Scriptura, which means everything by Scripture, all kind of life, 
all kind of doctrine. It's got to be proved from the Bible to be accepted. And this is the most difficult group to actually talk about. And this group is the most creative group of all of them. Because they take some of the doctrines, like the Sunday worship, and they will just try to twist and bend the scriptures, trying to prove their points. So most of the time we'll spend with this group. The other group, if you open your Bible to Romans, chapter 14, Romans chapter 14, and I call this, this third group. They're the most liberal group. And they absolutely don't care. Okay, so they will use scriptures like here in Romans chapter 14 and in verse 4. And they will say, who are you to judge another servant? And he says, to his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will make, make to stand, for God is able to make him stand. And, and, and in verse 5 it says, one person esteem one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. So they basically will just this one scripture and says, who are you to tell me what to do? That's how you see it in the Bible. That's how I see it in the Bible. That's my interpretation of the Bible. And I just, I'm just free to worship on any day I want. And that's basically their arguments. That's the, that's the third group. So we're not going to spend too much time here because it's very, difficult to, it's very difficult to argue with people like that. But the second group, the Protestant movement, especially the evangelical ones, I just came across a nice discussion, nice debate over the online about Saturday and Sunday. So there was one gentleman, very clever. I'm going to read this short article. I don't know if it's short, but his few points here, actually more than few. He started like that. He says, please remember that the Bible never says that the seventh-day Sabbath was transferred to Sunday. And it's absolutely true. We can't, we can, you know, argue with it. But listen for it. The Bible teaches us that Sabbath found its fulfillment in Jesus, who is our true provider of daily rest. We start to going away a little bit, right? So listen for it. However, However, we also discovered that the early Christians were coming together on the eighth day. And he says, that's the Lord's day, and that's obviously Sunday. You see, we see where he's going with that? And he says, to commemorate Jesus' resurrection. And he says, what does the New Testament teaches us about this day? Does the New Testament collaborate the evidence found in historical texts? And he gives a point. And his point number one is this. He would give you a scripture. You don't have to go there. We'll go to the scriptures a little bit later. Okay? But he'll give you scriptures like this. John chapter 20 verse 1. And he will say, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So his number one point is, Jesus was obviously resurrected on a Sunday. All right? Now, his point number two, he says, Jesus appeared to his disciple on Sunday. And he would quote another scripture from John chapter 20, verse 19. You don't have to go there. He says, on the evening, on the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, while the doors, while the doors locked for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. 
That's the second point. He will go on. It says, a week later, Jesus appeared to his disciple again on Sunday. And he will quote John chapter 20 and verse, six, and verse 26. He says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And he goes on. And he says, next point. He says, Pentecost. The outpouring of God's Holy Spirit happened on what day? He says, on Sunday again. Okay, and he quotes a book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost fully came, to all gather together in one place. And he will also go back to the Leviticus 23 and show which day that was. That was supposed to be the day after the Sabbath day, which is the Sunday. Okay. Now, his next point, he says, the Christian's first public sermon, sermon delivered by Peter happened on what day? Obviously, Sunday, right? He's still, still hanging on this Pentecost, still hanging to this Sunday. And he will quote Acts chapter 2 and verse 14 and 15. And he says, and he says, he does his points. And he says, the next point. The first baptism performed by the early church happened, guess what? On the same day, which was what? Which was the Sunday. And then he goes on, he says, although Paul stayed seven days at Troas, scriptures does not mention any Christian meeting on Sabbath, but on the first day of the week. And he gives us a scripture. Book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 6, it says, But we sailed from Philippi after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and five days later joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. And it says, On the first day of the week we came together to break bread. And his point here, he says, They came together, it doesn't say on a Sabbath day, they came together on the first day of the week. And he, and he just go on and on, and he says, Paul encouraged the Christians of of Corinth to set aside a sum of money to help the poor in Jerusalem at what day? On Sunday. And he gives another scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2 where it says, On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money and keep it with his income. And he go on and go on and on. And his last point, I'm not going to quote all his points, but his last point he says from the book of Revelation that John had a vision on the Lord's day, which for him was also a Sunday. So we see he will tell you that, you know, he acknowledged that Sabbath was never transferred in the scripture from Saturday to Sunday. But he says there are some evidence in the Bible, in the New Testament, the first scriptures were actually meeting on the first day of the week. Really? Is that the evidence? Okay. Let's look at the evidence. Let's open your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 28. He didn't mention this scripture, but that's the one of, uh, one of the occasions. Only eight times this, so to speak, first day of the week is mentioned in the whole New Testament. Eight times. So, you will see, that you will see some of the scriptures on the screen. Okay? And, and it's quotes from my, from my Bible, from New King James Version, right? So, Matthew chapter 28, but I want you to look in your Bible too. I want you to follow whatever I do here. I want you to follow in your own Bible. Because this is very important, okay? And as we read all the scriptures, all eight of them, as we look at them, I want you to look at them at the context where they are put in, okay? Obviously, the first four will be closely connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And others, I will show you, they are always connected to the Feast of Pentecost. Not a single one of these verses exists outside the Feast of Feast of Unleavened Bread, all the Feast of Pentecost. Not even a single one of them. And why is that important? We'll see a little bit later. 
Let's read the first one. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day, and I want you to check in your Bible, if your day in your Bible is in italic. I want you to check it right now. Because if it's in italic, what it means is basically it's not there, okay? So the day in your Bible is not there. So it's supposed to be the first of the week began down. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, came to see the tomb, okay? So we see the day there is actually not in the Bible, okay? It's not in the Greek. Let's go on. Let's move on to the other scripture. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Just open, our, open your Bible and read it. I just don't want you to look at the screen. Check your own Bible. Doesn't matter what kind of translation you're using. Mark 16, verse 1 and 2. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, I want you to see the same occurrence. On the first day, is your day in italic in your Bible? Again, it means it's not there. It's not in the Greek. The day in the Greek is just not there. Okay? Let's move on. Just flip a few pages to Mark 16 and verse 9. Okay? Just a few verses down. Verse 9. Mark 16, verse 9. Now when he rose early... On the first day, is your day in Italian in your Bible? So basically the same thing. The day is not supposed to be there, okay? The first day of the week, but the day is not there. Doesn't matter how hard you're going to look in the Greek. It's just not there, okay? Just move on. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. That's another verse that is used in the New Testament, okay? Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. Check your own Bible. Don't trust me. Luke 24, verse 1. Look at it again. Now on the first day, is your day in italic there? It means it's not supposed to be there. Okay? Very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them, but the day here is not there. So we see we, that's the fourth scriptures in a row when day is not supposed to be there. Okay? Just keep going. John chapter 20, verse 1. Flip your pages and make sure that you follow what I'm saying. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day, is your day in italic there? There we go again. It's not supposed to be there. Okay, Day is not supposed to be there. The first of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. Okay, just go to verse 19. John, the same chapter, John 20. And verse 19. John 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being what? The first day. Is your day in Italy there? There we go again. It's, it's, is it a coincidence or somebody just make a huge mistake there? Why would somebody put a day there? But just keep going. Book of Acts, chapter 20. Just flip your pages. Go, go to the book of Acts. 
chapter 20 and verse 7. And read what it says there. Now, on the first day, is your day in italic again? Guess what? It's not supposed to be there, right? All right. Let's go to the last one. First Corinthians chapter 16. First Corinthians chapter 16. You can start it from verse 1, but verse 2. On the first day of the week, and it's your day in italic again, which is highlighted here on the screen, which means it's not supposed to be there here too. So what's going on? So we see, when you look at all the scriptures, that's it. Because the only scriptures in the New Testament that talk, supposedly talk about the first day of the week. They supposedly say first day of the week. So the first four from the Gospels don't only describe the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? The other two, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1 and 2. If you would, if you would, if you look at verse 8, you will see here 1 Corinthians Chapter 16, and just look at verse 8. Because I want to show you the scriptures in context, right? It says in verse 8, he says, I'm in the wrong. I apologize. First Corinthians chapter 16. And it's verse, verse 8, okay? Just a few scriptures over. Paul says, But I will tear in Ephesus until Pentecost. So this scriptures, the first of the week, is connected to the Pentecost. It doesn't stay here by itself. As the first day of the week, okay? And the same thing will be in Book of Acts when you can read it. Book of Acts is the same thing. Paul is talking about being on a way toward Jerusalem. And he wants to be there for the Feast of Pentecost. You can check it. It's right there. It's sandwiched. This day, the first day of the week, or the first of the week, it's always sandwiched between the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Feast of Pentecost. It does never, ever appear, single even one time in the Bible, without the connection to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or to the connection to the Feast of Pentecost. Never, ever, not even once. So that's why I ask you to pay attention, right? The word Italic day was added by the translator just to clarify the scriptures. But you know what? They didn't have any clue. They had, they had no clue whatsoever when they were translating this text what they were supposed to mean. They didn't have any idea what is supposed to mean the first of weeks. It's not that. The first of Sabbaths. What is that supposed to mean? So they just translated the first day of the week. Because they were not aware of something that, you know, we as a Christians that follow the Bible that we are aware of. And we'll get to this point a little bit later. Okay? And now, the third point. Let's say we go to the Greek and see what the Greek. And in Greek, when you go, the first day of the week, it always means the same thing in the Greek. It says, mian, which is first and sabbaton, which is the plural words for sabbaths. In all, every single one of them, you can check it. In all eight of them, every single scripture just says, me and sabbaton, or me and sabbaton. Which basically means first, and the sabbaton is plural for sabbath. Okay? And just, you know, so just, if you, if you think that that's just my idea, 
Just looking into the Bible, I'm not the first one. And it's not my idea. I just learned from mother. Like, you know, I'll show you a translation, okay? How many of you heard about the young literal translation? So this guy have no idea what it's supposed to mean. But I, at least they try to give the real sense of the Greek. So if you go to the next verse in the young literal translation, the, one, the same verse that you read in Matthew chapter 8, look what they say about it. From the young literal translation. It's not just mine. And it says, look what it says. And on the eve of the Sabbath, Sabbath is plural. They still don't know what they're talking about, okay? But they try to make a word-for-word -word translations from the Greek to English. And at the down, on the first of the Sabbaths, and it makes a huge difference, right? You understand it, right? I think it makes a huge difference. Because why? Because for us, when you look at the scripture, toward the first of Sabbath, what he's talking about? He's talking about the first day of the Feast of Weeks, which is Sunday. When we're talking about the Feast of Sabbath, we're talking about the Feast of Weeks starting from the, you know, from the Sunday between the, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, going all the way towards the Pentecost. That's what it is. But, you know, because the translator, back then, they have no clue. They didn't have a clue about the observance from the Bible, about the God's worship. They didn't understand what is that supposed to mean. So they just ejected a day here, and they put, like, on the first day of the week, and later on, they, try to, they just try to, you know, make it so much, so much, try to justify the doctrine that Sunday actually is in the Bible and the first Christian were worshiping on the Sunday. Now, the first Christian in the Bible were observing a very important day, which is the first day of the Feast of Weeks, which was Sunday. But it was just the beginning of the canton process from the Feast, you know, from the Feast of Weeks, from the first day toward the Feast of Pentecost. That's it. And you can go through all the scriptures. And you see the connections in every single one of them, okay? Every single one of them. Now, just open your Bible to Luke. I will show you another point. The difficulty of translating some of the scriptures, okay? Luke chapter 6. Who, anyone using NIV version here? NIV, good. Can you read it? Luke chapter 6, verse 1. That's it. One Sabbath. Okay? So that's an NIV translation. And a bunch of others new translations have the word the same way. I have a new King James Version, and some of you have an older King James Version, and it will read like this. Now it happened on the second Sabbath after first. What is that supposed to mean? You see what I mean? So all the new translations, they have no idea what is the second Sabbath after first. They have no idea, so they just render it. Now after the Sabbath. But for us keeping Pentecost and counting the weeks toward Pentecost, when somebody says, now we happen on the second after first, oh, we're just two weeks in. The second Sabbath after first. It makes perfect sense. But for them, people who don't worship God according to their own way, it's very difficult to translate Bible. Because you have to know, you have to understand the God's worship to, you know, to, to put into, you know, to, 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 to directly translate the words of God into any language. But if you don't have this knowledge, then guess what? The Bible, your Bible that we're using are full of mistakes. And on top of that, all these people get around and try to prove it, that you know what? Sunday was a day of worship for the first Christians. Oh yeah, really? Sunday is not even mentioned in the Bible. Sunday is not even mentioned by the word once in the Greek language. Not even once. And 
Just look at Leviticus. Just go back. Leviticus chapter, let's just refresh. Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 15. It's an instructions from God about God's holy day. And he says, And you shall count for yourself from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheep of the wave, wave offering, seven Sabbath shall be completed. Shouldn't be a shocker for a person who keeps these weeks that, you know, first after second and, and, you know, third after first and whatever, how you count it. It means one and one thing only. If you don't keep this feast, if you don't keep the days, if you don't, don't count those days, then you obviously wouldn't know what the Bible says, the first of them, whatever it is. And you see, people at that time, the Jewish people, they knew exactly what the verse was talking about, okay? Let me tell you what I dig up. The Pharisees knew exactly the mistakes the Christian did, and they decided to keep quiet. And you know why? Because observance of Jesus Christ of the day of Pentecost was totally contradictory to what the Pharisees were doing. Because they were keeping Pentecost on a different day. So they knew that the Christians make mistakes with translating and they just keep it quiet because they was working for them. Because Christ, the way how he kept the Pentecost, according to the system tradition, which was always a Sunday. Pharisees just keep the days of Pentecost starting from the first day of unleavened bread. And it always come on the same day, on the calendar. So it's amazing how one covers mistakes of the other just to being happy, right? Sacrificing God's truth to God's people. And as we go on here, I will show you, it's not just my idea. That's not my idea. There are many people now see the mistakes, and many people are actually speaking up for it, and they try to correct it. And, you know, if you fully understand, like we understand that the God's worship, what is in the Bible, we fully understand the Feast of Weeks, it's just by that alone and destroy the whole concept of Sunday worship. Destroy it. Because every single verse that we just quoted, they will just say, thank you very much. That's the verse that, you know, just supports my keeping my feast or my keeping my Sunday, counting the armor towards the Pentecost. Thank you very much. It doesn't prove anything else. It doesn't prove anything about the Sunday worship. It actually is proving our point. What we do, what we believe, and what we practice. Every single year. The feast that we keep. That's it. So we see Nia Sabbaton means only one thing as we read there. The first of Sabbaths. If you want to translate word for word. The first of Sabbaths. And any Christian who keeps the Sabbath. And any Christian who worships. You know God's holiday. Would know what it means the first of Sabbaths. And on and on and on. So there's no confusion about that. And you know. Some people will use arguments like this. Oh but the Jewish people. They never used to name the dates. They used to number them. You're absolutely right. That's what Jewish people, they never had a name for Sunday. It was the first day. Tuesday was the second day. But you know what? Greek, they always used the names. They had the names for the every single day. Okay? They had the names of every single day. I want to show you. I want to prove it to you. You can go anciently, like, you know, if you look at the Greek here, for them Sunday, the day that they Gentile Christian, okay? He was a Gentile Christian. He was 
see it all the other days. And you can check it in history. But ancient Greeks, they were using this name for every single day of the week. But you know what? It's not in the Bible. Why is it not in the Bible? Because I don't want all these ungodly names to be put in into God's word, right? So it's just they use the curse of Sabbath. That's what it is. And New Testament was written in Greek, not in Hebrew. And it's just not there. Okay. So you see, you can do a research and you can check it. That you know, Luke being a Greek writer, he could use these names of the for all kind of different days of weeks, but he never bothered. He never used them. All right. Let's look, at, let's look at some other texts for the young ritualist translations, okay? Let's go at Mark 16 and verse 2. That's the one scripture that we read in the New King James Version, right? Look what he said. Mark chapter 16 and verse 2. It says, And the Sabbath having passed, in verse, one, verse 2, And the early in the morning of the first of Sabbaths, you see the difference now? In translations, you see the difference? In the morning of the first of Sabbaths, it's not about being specific that that was a Sunday. It's so specific that because this day was the first day of counting the armor. That's why it's so specific. Because everything happened on God's calendar exactly how God prescribed. Nothing happened out of the way. Everything is pre-programmed, pre-planned, put in place. That's why it's here. On the first of Sabbaths, exactly of the first Sunday, towards the come towards the Pentecost. There is no mistakes. Let's move on. Mark 16 and verse 9. The same translations, young literal translations. And he, having risen in the morning of the first of Sabbaths, that's a literal translation. You see the difference? When you read in King James Version on the first day of the week and the first of Sabbaths, Huge difference. It's a huge difference. Let's move on. Look other one. Look chapter 24, verse 1. And on the first of Sabbaths, you see the consistency? The same thing happened all the time. All the time. All the time. There's no confusion in the New Testament. It's exactly the same thing happening on the first of Sabbaths. John chapter 20, verse 1. John is not confused. And on the first of the Sabbath, they say, Mia Sabbaton. That's what is the same Greek words. Just go home and check it. You know, we can go home and check it. You can go home and Google it. Mia Sabbaton. And you will see what's happening there. The people changing their minds, they see that's incorrect, the translations. And, you know, now just standing behind it and trying to prove the Sunday is the day of worship. That's crazy. That's crazy. The next one, the last one. It's not the last one, but John chapter 20, verse 19. It being therefore evening, on that day, the first of Sabbath is the same thing, brethren. It's totally consistent. All the translations in the Bible, that's how it's supposed to be rendered. Okay? The last two scriptures, okay? That's the scriptures that many of them use, the Protestant Christians. The two most important scriptures that they use Against us, against the Sabbath worshiping people. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 one more time. 
1 Corinthians 16. I'll be reading from my Bible, from New King James Version, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1. Now concerning the collections for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. And verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. And they use it. See, Sunday Keeper, we use the scripture and say, see, why would Paul ask to collect money, not on all the other days, but on the first day of the week? And that's how they would justify, based on this one scripture, collecting their money, other church services, on the first day of the week. See, why would Paul give a command like that? Why would he give command like that? And you know, we shouldn't be shocked. We shouldn't be surprised. You know why? Because he was, a, he was a very believing Jewish guy who observed the Torah. And that's what he would do. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 16. We'll see the God's commandment, what God asked people to do on this first day on the Feast of Weeks. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 16 Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 9. Starts all the same way. You shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. And verse 10. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord you got with what? With the tribute of a freewill offering from your hand. While you shall give us the Lord your God bless you. On the same day, at the first day of the first of weeks, being a Sunday, each of them should bring a free will offering. Why is the shocker when you go to the book of Corinthians, when it says you should bring an offering on the first day of the Feast of Weeks? It's not something totally new, invented, Paul, you know, put something into the new church, New Testament church. No, he's trying to teach them something that was in fact long time ago. Long time ago. It's just the free, we, free, free fuel offering for the feast. And he says, I will take this thing. I will get it to Jerusalem where I'm going and I'm trying to be there for the Feast of Pentecost. Always connections. Feast of Weeks, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Feast of Pentecost. Now, as I said, not even single scriptures stand outside of the Feast of Weeks, of the Feast of Pentecost, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Not even single one of them. Not even single. All of them. Okay, let's go to the last one. Book of Acts. Book of Acts chapter 20. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 6. But we sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. And now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together, just go back and read verse 6. It says, Gen C. Something is wrong with your theology here. 
We sail away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. So if they sail after the days of unleavened bread, that the Feast of Weeks is passed by, right who we write the first day of the week, of the first of Sabbaths. And I'm look at this and I'm thinking like, that's the only one scripture that doesn't fit the pattern. So you should look. So I tried to contact some Greek scholars looking at some dictionaries. And you know, guess what? There's one word here, but we sell away from Philippi what it says after. You see it in your Bible? After. So this Greek word after, according to online etymology dictionary, can mean behind, can mean change, can mean altered, can be higher, can be beyond, midst, among, in the middle, together, among, and on and on and on. Okay? This word after. So let's say if I if you just put instead of after here, after the days of unleavened bread, what if I just put it during the days of unleavened bread? But we sail away from Philippi during the days of unleavened bread, and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stay seven days. And now at the first of Sabbaths of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, it just made total perfect sense. Did, did you get it? It just made perfect sense. And there's no confusion. It's just so simple. And you know, sometimes we try to go the distance to justify what the scripture can mean, what the scripture cannot mean. But it's actually so simple. And it's actually so simple and actually validate what we do. It actually validates what we believe. And that's what's so excited about this first day of the week. It's actually first of weeks. There is no day in the scripture. So, there is so much more information I could talk about about this day, but I know we have a big potluck, and I want to be here for a long time, so I decided to make it as short as I possibly can. So if you have any questions, just please write it down, because, you know, we always talk about sermon during our potluck, during our fellowship. But if you just go home, I just want you to remember three things, okay? Your Bible doesn't matter what version you have, does never ever give you permission to worship on Sunday. Sunday technically is not in the Bible. The first of weeks, the first of Sabbaths, that's what it is in the New Testament. Sunday is not even mentioned once, nowhere by itself. Okay? Ancient Greek literature never used first of Sabbaths. Never ever. New Testament, that's the first usage. Okay? You can check. Point number two. Here, the Sunday that is mentioned here, the first day of the week, is always the first day of the first of weeks. And might be a shocker to some of you. Might be a shocker because, you know, we are God's people, many of us, we argue when we are supposed to keep the Pentecost. Some people say Pentecost is not on Sunday. It can be on any other day. But if you just try to prove Sunday, Saturday, you try to prove the first day of the week, it's not just proof Saturday is a Sabbath. It also proves Pentecost. It's always on Sunday. Otherwise, you have to be very creative, very creative to come up a different conclusion. Now I can go on and on. The other doctrines... 
that people try to pull on. And if you get around this scripture, what I just told you, what about keeping Sabbath on different days? If you keep Sabbath on different days, then this thing doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It just destroys it. Point number three. Stop this nonsense of arguing a little details, okay? Follow the Bible. Follow the Bible. And I can, I can, I can, I can you know, I can patch you that. If you worship God and you honor Him in spirit and in truth, God's truth will always prevail, will always come to the top, no matter what. And, you know, there are a bunch of people, and I agree, New technology is useful. New technology is beautiful. It was so easy to do the research, having access to the Internet. But having access to the Internet, people are exposed to so much nonsense that's going on around them. And you know what? We bring it to the church. Be careful. And, you know, some people were arguing to Some people were arguing with me a long time ago. The gen... When you do a sermon, you should always do from King James Version because the other one is the devil's one. And I say, you know what? King James Version is devil one too. There's no such thing as perfect translated word of God. There is none. If you want to prove any doctrine, anything, you have to go to the original language. That's it. That's the simplicity of the truth. King James Version, New King James Version, you know, New, new Living Translation, whatever you use it. I'm not against it. Use them all. Compare verse to verse. Study them. Always go to Greek when you try to prove any kind of a doctrine. And let me finish this with the last scriptures that the sister Rachel read for us today. Coming right up from Colossians chapter 2 and in verse 8. Always be careful. Study word upon word, sentence upon sentence. Don't get distracted when the wind blows and people come with new ideas to church and tell you some stuff and you get so excited. And, you know, some of you quit church, don't come to church, you know, or you go the other way, different way. After five, ten years, you realize I was misled, but I was just crazy. Just trust. Just trust what God is telling you. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. Remember, beware, lest anyone cheat you through all kind of philosophy and empty deceits, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the word, and not according to Christ. Just keep this thing in you. Now, many people who want to be teachers, many people who want to be philosophers, look at our church. It was one big church, and now we have thousands of different groups fellowship. And we say, it's okay, just the way how God's one. Oh, really? Maybe I should start at 1,001 now. And say, you know, I'll just justify. That's how God's wanted. Let's have my own Polish fellowship. But it just doesn't make any sense, right? And I'm laughing. You, you're supposed to laugh at this. So just put this nonsense away. Stick to the Bible and prove all things. May God be with you. Thank you, sir. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.